COVID is actually something that can contribute to erectile dysfunction because of the inflammation that happens in your blood vessels. Some doctors have noticed that men who get COVID itself end up with erectile dysfunction, at least temporarily, which is another good reason to get the vaccine. In appreciation of National Impotency Awareness Month, a group of concerned musicians gathered in a studio to change the world. on the place for trans substantiation the Brit Summers Show by special request 95.3 96.9 103.9 1470 wwnn hi everybody i'm back and broadcasting live from the land of the dead where things move much slower like uh, feet and minds sorry it was away too long i wanted to get a show out sooner it's just a way the time schedule fell I, I couldn't get one done uh Midweek, Halloween week. 
Oh, oh, and by the way, am I glad that's over? Uh, please, enough with the foolishness. Because we got too much at stake here. There's important things to be concerned with. And me being a trans woman, there's no shortage of Halloween parties for me to attend. Uh, but I chose not to. I got too much to do. So uh, New York was great, as usual. And the flight was fine because uh, nobody had any problem with the masks and the uh, vaccine passports. The passengers flowed on and flowed off. It was a very smooth flight. JetBlue absolutely rocks. Uh, No problems going or coming. Squirt, squirt. But I must tell you, one of the most impressive things, when I, the second I got out of the airport, it was at JFK, you walk out into the pickup area, and, and just across the street is the original TWA terminal. Uh, it took years to do it. They spent a fortune on it, and they did a tremendous job. And you can see on my Facebook page, uh, I, I, I could have spent the whole day there. It, but what they did was, completely restored that facility. Of course, there's a hotel on each side of it. That's the revenue part. Uh, But in between, it's actually a hotel lobby for the hotels. But the terminal has been restored to its pristine 1962 newness. I mean, right down to the Formica tables. And they've got the old uh, what is it called? It's digital, but you know the old style digital with the flipping numbers. Uh, flight boards up there that are shaped like the Jetsons around uh, flight boards. It's just so cool. I mean, if if you're into historic things and mid-century things, which I love mid-century styles, and I had a blast in there. And we didn't have much time, but I had as much fun as I could. Classic cars in the parking lot as you walk in and inside, and uh, classic music to match. Parked outside is a fully restored 1958 Lockheed Constellation, the Tritel. Beautiful aircraft that came out at the wrong time because when they introduced that passenger plane in uh, 1955, well, jets came out at the same time and that was the end of it. It was only in service for like five years. But what a Gorgeous aircraft and surprisingly small. I didn't know they were that small. Man, what a pretty aircraft that is. And they they got it from Maine. It was sitting there rotting away. Uh, they restored it and shipped it by pieces uh, from Maine to New York. Uh, and uh, there it sits. And it is now a lounge. But it wasn't open when I was there. I, I want to go when it's open. And I'm going to do it because I'm crazy enough to do it. I have, in fact, I, I, I made it myself, an airline stewardess outfit from the uh, 1960s, but of course, with the pumps and the miniskirt and all that stuff. I've got everything that would match that decor, and I'm going to take a whole bunch of pictures next time. I didn't realize how, how phenomenal a job they did, uh, but you, you'll see a picture. For, I'll be posting more on my Facebook page if you dare go on Facebook anymore. <laughs> How you doing, schmucky zucky? <laughs> got Soros, huh? What is it now? They want to change the name to Meta. Oh, that'll catch on. <laughs> uh, have you been on Facebook today? No, I went on Meta. 
that's going to have the same success like uh, Comcast attempting to change their name to Xfinity. No, we're no longer Comcast. We're Xfinity. What was the other one? Uh, Oh, yeah. Clear Channel. That Nazi network. They attempted to change their name to iHeartRadio. But it's still Clear Channel. (laughs) Meta. How about Yetta? And it's a website, so like, who cares? Uh, (laughs) Their stocks went... But if you're flying into New York and you try to, if it's convenient, go to JFK, which, by the way, is a very efficient airport in and out. Uh, They did a lot of good work there. Uh, I mean, I was there, when did I last go to JFK? It was maybe 10 years ago. And it was a a disaster area over here. Uh, But they, whoever was in charge, you know something, you really have to give credit to people who do their jobs right. And they did it. Uh, JFK was fine. Uh, and and just to have some fun, you can go into the uh, TWA terminal, which has nothing to do with the airport anymore because it's out of date, but uh, it's fun. Uh, check it out if you're in the area. But I, I do want to issue an apology to fans of this show who wanted to get together up there. I did too. Uh, but, you know, we had family involved. It just it wouldn't have happened. I have to be up there by myself uh, to put one of those get-togethers uh, together. And uh, I'm gone. I'm, I'll be back next year. Not sure when. Uh, possibly spring or summer. But I'm going to be back up there. And so we're definitely going to put something together uh, when I go back. And it's going to be soon, too, because I, I didn't finish my mozzarella. We did the wildest thing. We drove down, get this, we drove down to Hoboken, New Jersey. Uh, Hoboken had a really bad reputation, and they they gentrified it, but not to the point where, you know how they gentrify an area, and then no one can afford to live there except for hedge fund managers. But they've got, if you like mozzarella, or as they would say in Florida, mozzarella cheese, uh, there is a fierce competition of who has the best moots in New Jersey. And you would find that in Hoboken. We drove all the way down there just to get a pound of moots. And <laughs> it wasn't cheap. But man, I, I have never put anything like that in my mouth. Now, I put a lot of things in my mouth. But uh, that was... And I couldn't finish it because... <laughs> so rich and filling was delicious oh my god and interesting thing after they wrap it before they hand it to you you are given strict instructions on the proper way to eat the mutz i guess if you don't follow the uh instructions properly you're not allowed to go back but they're very serious about this and the guy points out to you before he hands you the mozzarella do not refrigerate if you plan to eat this within two days. If you don't plan to eat this within two days, freeze it immediately. You have two days from this point to enjoy your mutz. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Could that have been the highlight? I don't know. 
driving to Hoboken. How much fun is that, huh? <laughs> I wouldn't have expected. I'm like, really? Hoboken? And then it, it's really nice there. I mean, it's not like uh, the reputation it had. They did a great job. Because up north, they when they want to do things, they invariably do it correctly. It's not like living in Florida. Well, people walk nice and slow. Everybody walks slow here. And, and in some cases, I'm finding out, not only do they walk slow in Florida, but they walk all over the place. They meander and hobble and stumble and bumble. I noticed that coming back of Fort Lauderdale Airport, uh, getting off of the plane in the airport, people dropping their luggage on each other. Um, somebody dropped theirs. Uh, luckily, it didn't weigh anything. It dropped theirs on my foot. And he apologized, but uh, they're just stumbling and bumbling. And, oh, yeah, oh, I'm back in Florida. It's not like up there where I, and I much prefer it fast pace. You keep moving, you keep going, you don't slow down. Down here, it's like uh, schlepping and shuffling and. Yeah, that's Florida. In fact, I made note of that not so long ago. About people who live in Florida, they walk slow. be walking slow yeah. I said don't get behind me I be walking slow yeah. Cause I be somebody and want everybody to know If I was knowing you behind me I was gonna slow it way down If I know you behind me I was gonna slow it way down I was gonna shuffle my feet You gonna notice me now Walking slow in the store Driving slow on the street I'm gonna take all the time that you owe me I walk in front of traffic with dignity Cause my mama shall be proud of me I'm walking slow I want everybody to know That I be somebody when I walk through that door They walk very slow down here. It matches the, the mindset, you know, just shuffling along. You're listening to the Brit Summer Show. I just, once again, I want to uh, extend my apologies to those up there that wanted to get together. I'm sorry we couldn't get together this time, and there will be another. And I should point, oh, yeah, do the restaurants card you for a, a, a Vax passport? Yes. Yes, they do. And I proudly brandished mine. And uh, everybody else had one, so it wasn't a prop. It was like it is an opposite world. That's the correct world. I came back to hell. It's the opposite. I'm going to get to that later. But it sure was nice to be back in a real place with real people doing real things. So, uh, 
Thank you for your patience. And now I go back to my apoplectic fetching and complaining and then doing a Kazatsky and everything else. So let's see, what, what happened since I've been gone? Oh, yeah, Colin Powell died. Or as our so-called news media would say, Colin Powell died. Colin Powell died. Hey, have you heard? Colin Powell died. Colin Powell died. Colin Powell died. Colin Powell died. There is no other news today. Just Colin Powell died. He died? And uh, sorry, I can't be more timely about that, but uh, I had a few things to say about Colin Powell. For starters, he was one Republican that I wanted to like, uh, but he blew it. He blew it in front of the United Nations with that vial of baby powder. Gentlemen, what I hold in my hand is a, a vial of anthrax. No, it was, it was just baby powder. And he lied. People died. And he later regretted it and apologized for it. But uh, damage was done now, wasn't it, Colin? Other than that, he was a Corvette enthusiast. He was a Jamaican from the Bronx. He worked his way up through the ranks. He was something to be admired. And uh, but, but he blew it all. He threw it all in a toilet. When Bush asked him, or Rumsfeld, I should say, asked him to uh, taste the biscuits for the Mazza. And that's what happens when you do that. You lose all your cred. You lose all your fans. You lo- you just, just to flip over like that. And that's what he did. And it was unforgivable. And he knew it. And he had to live with that for the rest of his life. But where I really had a problem with Colin Powell... <laughs> But as soon as he took office, what did he do? You know, I'd always grant favors. And what did he do? First thing, nepotism. His son became chairman of the Federal Communications Commission. That was Michael Powell, who talked like Bryant Gumble. And remember, it was Michael Powell who got all bent out of shape about Janet Jackson's boob during the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. We had some real winners. And what did Michael Powell know about uh, radio broadcasting? The same thing that uh, Jessica Rosenwessel knows about broadcast media. Absolutely nothing. But there they are. They're the chairs of the FCC, which uh, I'm really starting to realize that it's just a throwaway agency now. It's nothing more than a conduit for big telecom mergers. But really, that's all they do. They have not, oh, and occasionally somebody will say a profanity or a dirty word, and then they'll, they'll issue a fine. But other than that, they got nothing better to do than to go to lunch with big telecom. That's their only function now, apparently. Because you, I could go on the air here and tell everybody to shoot each other and which would, in the old days, that would get you fired, but now it would probably get me a promotion. Yeah, that's how it works on radio now, because that's what they want on the air. Well, not so much at this radio station, but I'd say pretty much every other one. But I'm not going to get into that yet. Mr. Power. Thank you, and good morning. I'm here to address the United Nations with incontrovertible evidence of Saddam Hussein's elusive weapons of mass destruction. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you'll just watch the screen in front of you, you will see our renderings of Saddam's arsenal. Now, 
Now, this is more than just a cartoon. Because we feel Wile E. Coyote is analogous to Saddam. As you can see, he hides quite an arsenal of weaponry in his cave. Now, this scene here proves beyond any shadow of doubt that Saddam is indeed hiding his weapons. You'll observe the coyote holding his ears in anticipation of destroying his infidel enemy, only to discover his own nuclear warhead pointing up his butt. Now, here in an attempt to escape invading forces, he paints a picture on a rock, no pun intended, thinking, of course, he can run through the picture he painted. I hereby submit this as conclusive proof and look forward to your support. Thank you. There is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> I'll uh, get to your questions in a moment. Uh, there won't be a conventional war as we see it. This is a 1944 after all. We wouldn't want any innocent people to get hurt in spite of what happened to us. And God forbid we certainly don't want to offend anybody. Sam? Mr. Secretary, isn't it true? You sent a peace delegation to the Taliban. Yes, that is true. We sent a delegation to negotiate a peaceful solution with the Taliban. Tom. First thing we did, we sent them a rose and a baby Ruth in hopes that extending an olive branch of peace will show them we're really nice. Dan? <laughs> what they say? Well, we started off by saying, please don't attack us anymore, okay? And then we, we pleaded with them. We said, please, please don't attack us anymore. Kind of like that. They, they acquiesced a bit, I believe. And then we, we said, let's all be nice, please. We don't wonder who anybody's feelings, please. Ted, what is our current policy? All federal security agencies have agreed to continue with the bureaucratic ball-scratching policies currently in place. But make no mistake about it, we're really upset, and we will continue with our jingoistic bromides. That is all for now. Thank you. Hello, this is Michael Powell, son of Colin Powell, who helped ascend me to this lofty position through certain political favors. I'd like to take this moment to talk about the filth that we hear on the radio airwaves, and someday I might even turn the radio on to hear it myself. So I announce from this moment on, all radio broadcasters other than Clear Channel Corporation, not adhering to the dictums handed down by the holy ones of the Saudi Bush royalty, lords and givers of life, father and son, amen, will be stripped naked and medically sewn together by Dr. Laura Mengele to a Jewish child. I urge you to stop this dissenter filth. This message paid for by unaware Republicans and the Nazi bowel movement. On the next Fear Factor, wholesome entertainment approved by the FCC seal of good White House keeping. We locked FCC Chairman Michael Powell in a room with nothing but a screen that flashes pictures of boobs. See this, Mike? This is a boob, Mikey. A boob. Stop it! Stop this filth or I'll find you! See this one? See this one here, Mikey? 
It's a bumper sticker for the fight against breast cancer. It will be away from me. Look, you little sissy. Here's my breast. Fear Factor with Michael Powell. Must see TV for the minds of ignorant little babies. Brought to you by DirecTV. Now with over 200 channels of garbage and shit. It's Brit Summers at the Brit Summers Show. For Michael Powell, the sight of Janet's teeth makes him howl. So indignant is he that now the FCC will save us all from nudity on the TV. If it was not for his daddy, he would not be there. So now he has to care about what's on the air. Keep it in the Stone Age, put your burka on today, and watch TV the Saudi Pacs American way. Get a towel for Michael Powell. The sight of Janet's teeth makes him howl. Justifying his position that he got through nepotism, what a spoiled incompetent squirt. So how's uh, Colin Powell doing? He died. You won't see him no more. You know, I can only wonder if his son Michael will get the Corvette. And now we come to the part of the Brit Summer Show where we take a break. And uh, <laughs> I usually do the Brit Summer's obit on the uh, second half of the show, but uh, this is not a musical obit, but it's uh, one that's uh, personal to me, uh, although I never met the guy. But it's interesting in a sense that, uh, <laughs> well, I'll give you a little background. Uh, Stewie Billet died, or Stu Billet who was a uh, game show producer uh, going way back. I mean, from Who Do You Trust, People's Court, remember that, with Judge Wapner, uh, Split Second, and The New Truth of Consequences. Yeah, it was Stu Billet who produced those, and he was 85 years old. And here's the connection. When my mother was in high school, she was dating two guys. And one of them was my dad, and the other one, was Stu Billet. Uh, so I only bring that up because Stu Billet almost was my father. <laughs> no, it was the other guy she was dating. I don't know if she flipped a current or what. So that's going to wrap it for first half hour. Stay tuned for the second one. And if you're on the ground, parked under a tower listening to this thing, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate all my listeners on WWNN. And I'll see you all back here next week. On 95.3, 96.9, 103.9, WWNN. This is the WWN Network. WWNN. It's Brittany Summers. Talk radio with balls and big ones, too. She's unforgettable. By special request, and only because you never heard the original version, that Trump ruined, here's Al Wilson from 1968. On her way to work one morning, down the path alongside the lake, a tender-hearted woman saw a poor half-frozen snake. His pretty colored skin had been all frosted with a dew Oh well, she cried, I'll take you in and I'll take care of you Take me in 
cozy in a curvature of silk And then laid him by the fireside with some honey and some milk Now she hurried home from her work that night as soon as she arrived Now she found that pretty snake she'd taken in had been revived Take me in, oh tender woman Take me in, for heaven's sake Take me in, tender woman Sigh the snake Now she clutched him to her bosom You're so beautiful, she cried But if I hadn't brought you in By now you might have died Now she stroked his pretty skin again And then kissed and held him tight But instead of saying thanks That snake gave her a vicious bite Take me in, oh tender woman Take me in, for heaven's sake Now I saved you, cried that a woman And you bit me even a while And you know your bite is poisonous And now I'm gonna die Oh, shut up, silly woman Say that a reptile with a brain Yeah, I didn't want to play with the Trump when I did because uh, it just makes my skin crawl. But my sister never heard. She heard him muttering the lyrics to this song, telling his worshipers, his acolytes, and I've played this on the show before, where he reads the lyrics to the snake and essentially is telling everybody who's at that rally that he is a snake and what an idiot you are for for even looking or taking him seriously at all. Basically, he was throwing it right in their face and they're like, yeah, 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 you're a snake. Uh, So she was aware of that, but she never knew it was an actual song. She said that that terrible poem that Trump was reading (laughs) wasn't a poem. He stole lyrics from a song that described him in a most accurate way. You're listening to Skyhawk Radio, iTunes, FYI Nation, TuneIn, Stitcher, Patreon, SoFlo Channel, Acast, and there's a promotional thing that hasn't been posted yet for this show on Hustler, although I haven't heard if the deal was signed or not yet, but... uh, it's underway, I guess. And I'll keep you abreast. <laughs> we have now reached the portion of the show where I uh, <laughs> get on my knees and uh, beg for money. I get my knee pads out and I beg for donations. Uh, where's that? Uh, bear with me a moment here. Uh, I haven't played it in a while. <clears throat> I call it the podcaster anthem the lonely sax player in the subway 
asking for change in the hat. <laughs> yeah, I made that special for everybody who has a podcast and no income. So it, it somehow encapsulizes the position in life we're in. And I, I want to take this opportunity to thank everybody who has contributed and please keep those cards and letters and checks coming in. I thank you profusely from the bottom of my thing and a special thank you to the underwriter and official sponsor of the Brit Summer Show, Ernie! We love you! Well, I need those donations more than ever. Of course, people who listen to the show, they probably figured I'd be saying that now anyway, but... I can assure you I am budgeting properly, and a lot of that goes back into the show. And I'm still going to get a new computer to do wild and crazy things. Unfortunately, I'm still stuck behind this uh, 18k bips down AT&T. Oh, boy, is it slow. So I can't go do anything from here live or even take call. Well, I could take a call on uh, like a Skype or something like that. But, but it, it just, the playback will sound terrible. You know, in the times I did do an interview with the Skype, you don't know what I had to go through to f- to fix the glips and glitches that, uh, because it's like, my, it's like choppy like that. And there's nothing I can do about it. It's AT&T. They blow and they support an overthrow of this government. They're a dirty company, as John Oliver once said. I mean, that said, Comcast isn't that much of an improvement. They're a dirty company, too. But at least, at least they have fast internet. AT&T, they're still living in the AOL days, at least in this area. Okay, now we come to the Hollywood Report. Every now and then I'm going to do one of these things. And this segment is going to be called Brit in Hollywood. don't mean Hollywood, Florida. Although, to be fair, Hollywood, Florida came first before Hollywood, California. I'll bet you didn't know. Yeah, all these years I thought, because everything else, Florida steals and copies and whatever it is. It turns out, no, 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 it's legitimate. Hollywood, Florida was first. Now, while I was away, I mean, everybody knows now about the uh, Alex Baldwin shooting incident on the site of a movie that was bound to be a flop and nobody would watch anyway and probably would wind up on a lesser platform uh, because nobody's interested in Westerns right now. What what were they thinking? Who wants to see a Western? Uh, I think the last good Western movie was Tombstone. And that was what now? 25 years ago? Now all Tombstone means is pizza. But through all this and the, and the media coyness... <laughs> Gee, you think he fired on purpose? I wonder what really happened on the set that day. Well, here's what I want to know. Because this crossed my mind when that story broke. And I was as stunned as everyone else when I heard it. uh, That that happened in this day and age. And (laughs) I'm still wondering. And nobody asked this question. And that's part of my job here is to ask the questions nobody asks. And that is... They still use guns? In every post-production reel I've seen for uh, current movies, at least within the last 10 years, 
the actors are in front of a green screen and in their hands is nothing. It's all CGI now. I was shocked that they were even using gun props. I mean, you take a look at the behind-the-scenes footage, for example, The Avengers or The Walking Dead. You look at what, as they're filming it, they're not holding anything in their hands. Occasionally, they'll have a rubber knife or a, a, what do you call it? A spring-collapsing type knife or, or a rubber sword. But guns, it's a stick with light diodes on it. It's not even a gun. They're doing this. What is this, 1955? They're putting guns on, on a studio set still? I thought that went out with CGI. Because and you look at all these action shows and uh, these uh, spy things, and they're holding these uh, military-style weapons and all that. During filming, that, that's not what they have in their hand. In fact, they're, they're not even in a vehicle shooting out the window. Or if they are, it's a toy gun. What were they doing with real guns? Uh, yeah, I know, they was in the blanks. But as this story unfolds, it points out one very important thing. It shows you how important unions are and where unions come in for, for set safety, uh, for just for safety of workers in general. There was a strike. This is how the woman died. There was a strike, and they hired a... And, and this is where Baldwin went wrong. He hired scabs. He was producing this thing. So they were all inexperienced scabs, or they had experience and were fired from other productions because they're just bad at their job. And that one woman who, who put out the tweet or whatever it was, to, you know, I, I can only do one job at a time, and they gave me two jobs to do, and I'm only good at one, and it's something I'm not used to doing, and... But a boop, but a beep, and I'm going to blame everybody else for this because accountability is... Not what people do these days. <laughs> Nobody's accountable for their actions. Right, Republicans? I am above the law! Oh, more on that next week. And this happened. It hasn't happened since 93 with uh, Bruce Lee's kid in that movie. Uh, and that was it. And it was, uh, yeah, they, they imposed new safety standards and all this stuff. But that's not really why. It's, the real reason is, and they're not holding any weapons. There's no real need for an armaments person or whatever it is. Uh, the Avengers. There's lots of footage about the, the filming of the Avengers. And if you take a look at it, they're wearing diode suits and holding diode contraptions in their hand. They're not even... It's nothing that they have in their hand. I just... I thought they didn't even do that anymore. And of course, this wasn't the first. I mean, it was... Uh, you know where a lot of people... There's a book called Down the Tube. Sadly, there's been three books since this book was published in the early 70s. So, so it's hard to find, and it's way out of print. And I can't remember the author's name. But I guess if you search Down the Tube, television commercials, it'll come up. But I, I believe this, this guy was a former ad exec, and uh, he spilled the beans on the film industry regarding uh, television commercials, which back then was uh, a big production thing. Now, now they're all CGI. But a couple of stories stand out about people getting hurt or people getting killed while filming these commercials. And, and most of them, most of them took place in the 1960s and there were car ads. Now, 
There was a time, <laughs> I haven't used this in years. Maybe Alex Baldwin will want to buy one of these things. They used to use a boom camera. And what they did with that was whenever there was a scene with a vehicle approaching and you're on like road level watching the car or truck or whatever the vehicle is heading towards you, road level, the camera was on a boom. And on cue, it would hydraulically lift the cameraman up over and around to the back of the car. Is it approaching, rooftop, and then as the car goes away, you see the taillights. That's the way it was supposed to work, and I used it a lot back then. <laughs> but there was a couple times where the, the boom malfunctioned. So the camera guy is sitting road level, filming this car approaching, and when the director says, okay, up, or whatever they say to make the boom go up, well, this time it didn't, and the uh, cameraman got killed, got run over, because <laughs> that's just how they did things back 50, 60 years ago, and they don't do that anymore. But they, in fact, now they probably use a drone to get that kind of a shot. I don't think they use a, a, a boom camera like that at all like that anymore. Why? Because of union. Unions are bad. I don't want no union. I don't want to pay no dues to a union. That will ensure that I get paid every week. I'll take my chances, thank you. It's my right not to get paid, and, and damn it, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Oh, people are so stupid. And I would say the most notorious of all of these commercials was the 1964 Chevrolet ad where they <laughs> took a 64 Impala convertible. It wasn't, it was like half the car. And they used a helicopter to fly it in pieces up to the top of this. Um, it's not a mountain. It's like this weird stone structure in Utah. And it's called Castleton Tower. It's just a huge rock structure with a flat top. And they used a, I'm pretty sure it was a, probably a Chinook uh, CH-47. And they assembled it. They had one mechanic or an engineer or somebody, uh, on top of this mountain to assemble this car on top of a rock formation. And, and you can see this ad on YouTube. It's in color, and uh, it's pretty spectacular, but it makes no sense. And they assembled this Chevy on top of this rock structure with a model in it uh, posing as the helicopter shot rotated around it, filming her waving and smiling and all this. At the same time, this model, Shirley Rumsey, uh, was having a, a, a heart attack <laughs> because she was scared to death. And she was strapped with a, 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 by a harness with the mechanic holding her ankles as the helicopter shot rotated around them. And nobody died, but they came awful close because... The winds were so high at the end of this shoot, they had to uh, leave them up there uh, for an undetermined amount of time. Some say it's several hours. Some have said that it, it was uh, overnight. So there was this lucky mechanic stuck with a beautiful model up on top of a mountain. Well, it was, it's not a mountain. You'll see. Check it out. YouTube. Just look up 1964 Chevrolet ad Castleton Tower. And then there was a, a early GTO commercial, which you can see on like YouTube, I think. You could see the finished version. But the, the, the engine hood pops open and out jumps a tiger because there's a tiger in there. 
And as I recall, the tiger jumped out and attacked the model, mold the model that was posing by the car. <laughs> Back then, this stuff didn't get in the news. I mean, it wasn't widely reported. Maybe, maybe it went local. If that happened now, there'd be three solid days on all of the networks. Because they don't base news on integrity anymore. They base news on selling time. Pharma, insurance, and high-end vehicles. That's all they got to move. And lately, because I, I watch uh, news uh, channels <laughs> when I have nothing else to do. And lately, it's just inundated with United Healthcare ads, uh, which is sometimes they're cleverly disguising the name, but it's all United Healthcare, which owns ARP. ARP. And it's all about swindling the elderly out of their uh, Medicare because, uh, oh, you'll get free dental. Oh, you'll get free hearing. Oh, you'll get free vision. But if anything serious happens, you'll get this. I'm very sorry, but that is not in our network. And then you're screwed. But who cares? That's that. That's nobody cares. So there's no regulations. But seriously, seriously, ladies and gentlemen, would you really take health insurance advice from J.J. Walker? <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> Who's the other? Oh, Joe Namath. They got him. They sobered him up. Ah, yeah, I that old drunk. They're, they must have held him up with a stick. And he's pitching this thing. Uh, and lately, I don't think there's ever been a bigger whore uh, William Shatner. <laughs> huh? Yeah, but J.J. Walker, that, that's who you should take your advice from. In, in other Hollywood news, and you'll see how the dots come together on this one. Uh, again, going back to my flight, I'm on the flight back here. They have, and you know, everybody, the movies on the flight usually blow. They're really, and going up, I'll tell you a really bad one I saw. It was so bad I turned it off. Black Widow with Scarlett Johansson. Man, that sucked. Oh, that was so bad. I'm sorry, Avengers fans. That They're just reaching. You know, they, they had it right in 2008 with the first Iron Man. Second one was okay. And it just get, it doesn't get better. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Oh, she was a Russian spy. She was a Russian agent. It was lousy. I just turned it off. Same old dredged up espionage intrigue crap. The same script over and over again. I've seen them a million times. But, but on the way back, I had a very pleasant surprise. I have never, ever seen... I'm only talking, it came out in 2018. But I have never seen Green Book. What a great movie that is. Uh, and what happened was, uh, I saw the first half and then a plane landed. <laughs> so I had to dial it up on a platform to watch the rest of it. But what a great movie that was. Now, I talked about the Green Book on this show years ago when that came out. And the reason I didn't go, bother seeing the movie when it was new is because I wasn't, and it's true, it's really not about the Green Book. It's referenced several times in a movie, but that's not really what it's about. Wonderfully acted by Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali, who, I, if I'm saying the name wrong, forgive me, but 
I don't have any reference on how to pronounce it properly. The acting was superb. Uh, Viggo Mortensen, by the way, he, he can go from a swashbuckling knight to uh, a Bronx Gavone. He played a good Gavone. And Mahershala gave a great portrayal of Don Shirley. And the movie's about, I don't want to tell you too much, but the movie's about uh, a Bronx guy named Tony Lip, real person, I checked, and he had two boys. One of his sons wrote the book, and another one of his other son is in the movie. And the guy that made the movie about Tony Lip was in The Sopranos. Uh, he play, I think he played the New York Don or something. A lot older then, but yeah, yeah, they made the rounds. And his job was to chauffeur this black performer down through the southern states back in the early 60s. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, you can see how, especially now, when they're conflating, not conflating, but they're comparing notes about the Civil War and now about how the South profited off of hatred. And they still are. And that's basically, and it was just hatred. As Tony Lip says in the movie, the hillbilly pricks. I mean, just base it on hatred, not just ignorance, because that's in the movie, too. But racial hatred, it's just that. It's uh, simple for simple minds and simpletons. And as they reference in the movie, quite accurately, who Billy Pricks. (laughs) And I don't want to tell you much about the movie. All I can tell you is it was beautifully done. It was and it won all kinds of awards, and it deserved it. What a great movie. If you haven't seen Green Book, do yourself a favor and check it out. If you listen to this show, everything's in there that you would like. And it's a period piece from 1962. And what I was really impressed with was the, was the period accuracy, with the exception of three things. Because, you know, I, I'm a stickler for this sort of thing. You know, if they needed it in, in Hollywood, if they really needed a time period consultant uh, I'm the person to contact because I don't get it wrong when it comes to that they got I mean they had three strikes but that's a very high score on my accuracy chart everything else uh, I mean, I mean, you have to watch it's a great if you have, if you've seen it you'll know what I'm talking about they're driving the the Cadillac brand new 62 Cadillac okay a brand new Cadillac I would say, doesn't overheat. You know, they did have heating problems, but the car to be a little bit older than that. Uh, radiator didn't blow up in a brand new Cadillac. Uh, and the other one was, uh, I think in a brand new Cadillac, the windshield defroster would work rather well. <laughs> they're driving in inclement weather. And and he's rubbing the windshield with his sleeve like like they're in a, a Ford Falcon or something. And the other one was, and you can barely see it, but the the one cop car was a '64 Chevrolet. Well, that's okay. That was it. That was it. The music was on target, and that's where I'm heading with this because the music in this movie is phenomenal. Was you know, some some top ten hits, but a lot of it you would be unfamiliar with, and it's all real goods including the Don Shirley, Dr. Don Shirley. Oh, and you can call him Shirley. He was gay, so he, he wouldn't have minded. Yeah, Don Shirley and the, the quartet. I mean, if you're into classical fusion jazz, that's basically what it was. But all the other music in that movie, 
really good hardcore rhythm and blues, rock and blues. And there was one song I never heard before, and I, I liked it. Do you like it? Yes, I liked it. Uh, and, <laughs> and now I know why I never heard it before. It was not a hit, got very little airplay, <clears throat> and it's the only record this guy ever did. Just a 45 with uh, two songs on it. The Bill Massey Orchestra. Bill Massey, which was news to me, and I love learning about new, new stuff about music, and, and this, I guess this passed by me somehow. Bill Massey used to play with jazz greats Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt. He was with their bands, and I guess this was a one-off. He, he formed this band, they put this record out, and it didn't really go anywhere. So I, get, I, I couldn't find anything else on this man. Other than uh, who he played with, but did, did he die? He died? I don't know. And who else did he play with? But here's what you may not know, and that is all the music for the soundtrack of Green Book was handpicked by none other than Robert Plant. Now, he's a hardcore blues rock guy. I mean, Led Zeppelin, yeah, but rhythm and blues, blues rock, uh, jump, and jazz... Uh, were a big influence on uh, Led Zeppelin, and that shows here. That was a good choice. So that's my viewing recommendation this week. Not that I'll have another segment next week, but if you haven't seen it yet, do yourself a favor. And this scene in particular, because it's pretty funny. Here it is, the Bill Massey Orchestra from 1961 or 2. Really not much information on it. And Bill, well, maybe he opened the car dealership, Bill Massey Dodge. What you gonna do? to cut in here because uh, it, when I first heard this it was reminiscent of another song that came out around the same time but I don't know which one came out first it seems to me this particular song came out first and somebody at Stax Records got their hands on it polished it off and wound up sounding a little something like this
Yeah, this is right around the same time, and I can't get accurate facts. I, I tried. This song was performed by the Marquis. Now, let me give you a little idea who the personnel were in this band. From Muscle Shoals. None other than Steve Cropper, Duck Dunn, and Booker T. Jones. Does that sound familiar? This is before they called themselves Booker T. and the MGs. And, and what was the name of this song? Yeah, but wait, yeah, but wait a second. I think I'm going to go out with the Bill Massey Orchestra here since uh, it's still new to me because, yeah, I've never heard this song before and I, and I, and I like it. It's fun. It's back when music was fun. No more fun. No. No. So as I walk this one out, thanks for tuning in to Skyhawk Radio, iTunes, FYI Nation, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoFlow Channel, Acast, and you know something? I, I, I might get this one out in time but if i don't it'll be a couple of days late for the show to drop and in that case you'll get almost two in a row but bear with me or or get bear with me either one because i got a lot more to say that i just didn't get around to but i I wanted to talk about bill massey (laughs) because i don't know who he is and apparently no one online does either he did another song called uh i do the shimmy shimmy (laughs) but i didn't have time to load that's enough for now. You've heard enough of me, and I'm going to be back with even more cockamamie things. So until next time, this is Britt Summer saying, Florida sucks. What you gonna do? I don't know. <laughs>